so glad you've joined us on the ERLC podcast to explore how the Bible addresses important cultural issues pertaining to life, religious liberty, marriage and family, and human dignity, and how we can walk in wisdom for God's glory and for the flourishing of our neighbors. If you're enjoying this podcast and find it helpful, please leave a review wherever you listen. This will help more people find and benefit from what we're learning together. We are grateful for the time you take to join us for these conversations. to think of, and I know this is something that I, I had in my own Christian life, we confuse significance with the size of a ministry. We confuse dramatic with impact. And so often it's the very quiet, small things that we do to be in people's lives that makes the biggest difference. Hi, I'm Trillian Newbell, and I'm excited to announce our series, Better Together. The series captures our desire to partner together as men and women in the church and beyond to advance the kingdom with mutual support and care. Better Together will address a wide range of topics from sexual abuse, leadership, women in work, women's ministry, and so much more. Our goal is to inform and equip listeners on matters most important to women in the areas of church, home, and work. Today, we have Katie McCoy, who is an assistant professor of theology and women's studies at Southwestern Seminary. Thank you so much for being with us. Delightful to be here, Shirley. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, absolutely. Well, what is great about having you on is that you have a couple of perspectives. You're a seminary professor— which I think mm-hmm. is unique for a woman. We don't have a lot of women seminary professors. As a matter of fact, I wonder, could you count on your hand? <laughs> How I probably women? could just count on my hand. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, we just don't. But we, we also— need more of us. We do need more of us. You, not us, because I'm not one. But also, if I'm correct, you are n- not married. Is that correct? Correct. Okay. So, I am one of the many single 30-something women in the church. Right. And so I think your perspective is going to be incredibly helpful. If it is okay with you, I'd like us to think through from that angle how we can serve not just, obviously, we, we don't want to just focus on single women, but but I do think that there's a growing number of women mm-hmm. who are, and it's—I was just talking to another lady about how in the church, we were talking about a different topic, not training and equipping. In the church, we have elevated certain roles, um, for motherhood, for example, which alienates women who are—and so let's—I want us to think in those terms if you're up for that. Definitely. Okay. So when we're talking about training and equipping women, what does it mean to you? When I first think of training and equipping women, I think the the why question is really important um, because no matter what stage of life women are in, no matter what their life circumstances, if they're a disciple of Christ, they're called to 
live out and apply their Christian faith in every sphere of life. And just going back to the basics is I think is really helpful with this question. So every believer is called to love the Lord, our God, with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. So training and equipping women, it's the stewardship um, of all of these aspects that God has given us to worship Him. That includes the stewardship of our minds, but it's not exclusively so. So training and equipping women for ministry, for loving the Lord, it's in all different spheres of our lives. And it's ultimately about godliness, forming the character of Christ in us uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit, and then ministry and building up the body of Christ. That looks different, not only for different women, but the same woman in different life stages. So you figure that between 20 and 35, women are going through multiple life stages. What they can do in ministry looks different in different life stages, but then also um, the the issues that women are facing look completely different in different life stages. So they need that investment, that training and equipping for all of these different questions that they're, they're they're coming up against. When I think of... Uh, the training equipping women question, we often go to Titus 2. We women are wired by God to be so relational. It It is one of our gifts. And women are craving that life on life investment, that investment of someone who knows them, who uh, they can talk to very candidly about things that they're going through. And we see this in in so many different areas of our lives. There was a fabulous news story on, I think it was like CBS this morning, morning show. And it talked about how communities are starting to connect women who are new moms with other moms in their neighborhood. Hmm. So instead of just going to the emergency room or going to the doctor, these medical professionals are helping women connect with other women uh, to just help them walk through some of the questions in life as a new mom. And that I is thought, so what interesting. a picture. Isn't it fascinating? Yes. So even <laughs> those outside of Christianity recognize women are looking for help to know how to handle these life stages, these questions that they, they come to. And, and we live in such an isolated society now with, you know, it's the proverbial, we're more connected than ever, but we're more lonely than ever. Um, mm. And women are looking for those relationships. What a picture, what a picture of what it is that we are to be in the church and how God wired us to be, that we are to find these connections and relationships with other people in the body of Christ, not just for things that we over overtly associate with as quote unquote Christian things, but all of life. You're exactly right. So one of the things that I like that you've said, and I think so often when we think training and equipping, we go straight to either a class or a program or, but -hmm. you're talking about really basic discipleship. How do we uh, grow in loving God with all our hearts, minds, and souls, Mm -hmm. and loving our neighbor as ourselves? And do this That's in it. community. And so I want us to, I, I really, I think um, we, would you agree sometimes we overcomplicate this? Oh, girl, don't even get me started. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we make it so hard. Yes. Yeah. And so what are some ways that the local church or local churches can improve training and equipping women in all of our various stages? Mm-hmm. So oftentimes the that that type of ministry centers around 
a particular Bible study time. And that is vital. That should be our lifeblood. That should be the kind of the, the vitamins, if you will, of the diet of training and equipping women. But along with growing in the word and helping women have opportunities to grow in the word in community with each other, we need to be nurturing the spiritual gifts of women and providing opportunities hmm. for them to use them. So there are women with strong leadership gifts. And if they don't have an outlet to use them, it's it's only natural they're going to be looking for those outside of the church. Absolutely. So taking seriously the spiritual gifts that God has given women, and then also considering it a priority to zero in on those, nurture them, and give opportunity to use them for the building up of the body of Christ. And that can take so many forms. I think about service, community activism, um, discipleship social justice causes or advocacy for the unborn. There, mm. there are things that are so broad that if we just look at women of, okay, how did God wire you? What are you just born to do? And it's just your heartbeat and help facilitate and nurture that. We are in a sense training and equipping her to be using her gifts for the glory of God. Um, and again, we always have to go back to, we're growing in the, the vitamins of our discipleship, our relationship with the Lord and with others through uh, scripture, meditation, memorization, study, through prayer, um, through the celebration and um, confession. I think of all of these other areas of our Christian lives where we express our discipleship personally, but when we talk about really training women we need to think in terms not of just putting us in a room to uh, receive instruction, but then to do something with all of this, all the, the giftedness that the Lord has given us, the instruction that we're receiving. And, uh, you know, we've heard about how the, the top tier of real education, that top 5% of when you learn something is when you teach it to someone else. Yes. That's when we need to be investing in women. We stop mm. so short at just pouring into them instead of seeing them as servants of Christ to be mobilized and sent out into our communities. I am uh, partly just wanting to sit down and just learn from you. <laughs> Well, we have flex classes available at Southwestern <laughs> Seminary, Julia, if you ever want to join, join in. Awesome. But, but you have hit on something that I haven't heard us speak enough into, but when we think of training and equipping, we go straight into, and, and understandably so, we go straight into Bible teaching, Bible training, mm -hmm. Bible equipping, and how to help women do that. Okay, that is essential. We can't, mm -hmm. in, in order for us to grow in godliness, we need to know God's word, right? So mm -hmm. we, and we need to understand theology in order to make sense of our lives. Yet, God's also given us various gifts. And one aspect that I so appreciate hearing you say is that these gifts can be utilized identified in the local context yet utilized outside of it and so and so i i think that's freeing and and such mm -hmm. an encouraging word to someone who's listening who who's thinking okay i have a heart for the unborn that's where my i'm going to i'm an advocate for the refugee or i'm you mm -hmm. name it that is where my heart beats and that so i'm not going to lead a bible study but i i will help the vulnerable. So I think um, 
I think that's this has been a, this is a helpful word. So how can we both as members, but also men and women, so pastors, help women like that, for example, who they may not lead a Bible study per se, but they do have a desire to use their gifts in the community. Yes, this is a little soapbox of mine, if you will. But one of the things that I think we need to recapture as Christians is understanding that ministry is not position. And we have allowed our very American sort of corporate structure mindset to infiltrate our Christianity and our community together to think that it's only valid if you have a particular position. And when you go all the way back and do a study of the role and impact of women in the early church, Trillia, it is amazing. There were women doing um, caring for the sick. They were caring for the poor. They were um, engaged in hospitality. They were Absolutely. doing dis- discipleship and evangelism for women. Uh, all of these things that when you take a, a zoom out view of how did the church grow so explosively, well... They cared for the sick. They cared for the poor. They practiced hospitality. They did uh, evangelism and discipleship of other people. The role of women in ministry historically, the, the things that women have participated in has led to the explosive growth of the church. And unfortunately, in our sort of, uh, it's only valid if I have a position mindset, we have thought that it's it's only ministry if you are number one in charge of someone else. Mm. You are the leader. And by leader, we mean position, not influence, but position and a title. And that we, we look down on other things that don't have quite the um, out front or... Um, well-publicized or well-seen presence in the body of Christ. And and we end up discounting some of the very things that have, have led historically to the growth of the church. You know, when we think about pastors and elders, pastors and elders, uh, that is a role in the church, a ministry of the church given to qualified men. But sometimes we sometimes we miss the fact that qualified men, not mm, every man. Right. So so we're we're comparing the the thing that, that the Lord says, okay, women, don't be pastors, don't be elders. And and that's that's kind of basic, base level. Scripture's really clear on that. And we end up uh, thinking that, okay, so because I can't be in charge, that therefore my my ministry is not valuable. And that's that's a whole view of position and authority that I just don't think comes from the word scripture. Absolutely. It comes, yeah, it comes really from our own kind of Americanized culture. It's one of the ways that our culture kind of gets in the way of us being Christians. So, so I think we have to really first uh, change our mindset of what is valuable service and uh, how do we nurture that in other people? Mm, that's insightful. And I think that's going to encourage a lot of people. It's encouraged me and and, uh, it's a challenge, I think, for people to to change that mindset. What do you think Mm -hmm. is maybe one of the first step, like give us feet to this? Because I I think you're hitting on something valuable here. So so we can work together um, to disciple 
women and mm-hmm. train women. How, how do we do this in this area? How would you do that? Um, so do you mean like a, a woman in the local church who wants to know like how to, how to start? Or do you mean like from a church down to women in their congregation? I mean, how does, okay, so we're talking about training and equipping, but you're saying, okay, we, we don't need to have positions. We just need to do the work of ministry. We need to recapture a vision of what the scriptures say about women or how they've displayed women who are doing the work of ministry. Okay. So my, I, my question is, for some people, this mindset may be new. When they think of training and equipping, they're going to think Bible study, leading one, um, and maybe even just one-on-one discipleship, all very important things. Very. But but you're you're giving us a broader view. So how would you— how would you, is there, are there resources that you would point to? Um, is there some kind of a training or, or equipping of women so, or, or, and pastors, it sounds like, <laughs> so that they can put feet to this vision? Yeah. The first thing that comes to mind is if, if there's a woman listening thinking, okay, how do I, how do I begin? The best beginning is to look at what you have in front of you right now. And, and we tend to think of, and I know this is something that I, I had in my own Christian life, you, we confuse um, big and, and uh, we, we confuse significance with the size of a ministry. We confuse uh, dramatic with impact. And so often it's the very quiet, small things that we do to be in people's lives that makes the biggest difference. Uh, Something that I've learned lately, a very godly woman has let me be part of watching her take care of her elderly mother during Mm. some end of life things. Uh, I'm in my thirties. It just isn't even on my radar. And so I'm, I'm watching this woman very patiently walk through hospital visits and turn her, her day upside down to take care of her mother. And um, I'm watching her wash clothes and take up clean clothes every day and talk to doctors and, and uh, be the, the advocate for her mother and a comforter to her mother um, and her mother is a widow. And so I'm, I'm seeing ministry in action of something that is deeply significant, honoring to the Lord, something that draws the smile of the Lord when we think of his heart for widows and for the responsibility that we have to our families. But this isn't something that I go to learn from a Bible study. It's something that I learn by watching this godly woman quietly do the things that entail self-denial and sacrifice. You know, Christianity, we are such a relational faith. You can come and learn all the tenets of Christianity, but we don't really live the Christian life until we are living it in relationship with God and with each other. And so one of the biggest things is, what do you have right now? Um, We fall into this mindset of, well, when my circumstances are different, then I'm going to do ministry. And we end up missing the opportunity for ministry that's right in front of us. So if you're a mom, and you have toddlers running around and you think, you know, when my kids get older, then I can do ministry. 
oh, no, 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 girl. You're doing ministry every moment. Yeah. <laughs> You're doing it every day. And so if you are a friend, maybe your children are older, your opportunity for ministry may be helping that woman uh, figure out how do I have a relationship with the Lord when I can't even go to the bathroom by myself, you know? And so training and equipping that woman may look like helping her find a rhythm so that she doesn't constantly feel overwhelmed in her day, that she feels like she has time to uh, have an, a, a, a conversation with someone who's over three, you know? So yeah. training and equipping is investing in women right where they are, investing in each other right where we are. And then all of that, again, is for the purpose of godliness. It's it's not just knowledge. And, you know, I'm, I teach at a seminary we are really big on knowledge. And so many come to seminary to acquire knowledge. And uh, it's really easy to conflate knowledge with spiritual maturity. Yes, it's but knowledge it just puffs with up. The Holy, <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's knowledge with the filling of the Holy Spirit. And that's why a woman who has very little formal training, formal training and equipment uh, for ministry, can make some of the deepest impacts for the kingdom because it's it's ultimately about what she is doing with what God has given her mm. that to glorify the Lord and to serve and love others. Well, I was just going to say, it sounds like anyone can do it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Which because anyone can. can. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that's, um, yeah, when we think we can, when we hear training and equipping, it can often be for only certain people. And so I think this is helpful to think anyone, anyone can do it. As a matter of fact, the lady who discipled me, I would come over to her home. She had six children and she was busy and crazy. And I'd come over to her home and we would talk and she was speaking truth to me. She was uh, still very um, Bible-based and, but we weren't sitting down. We were helping her fold laundry or cooking food or, and so so we were, it was a, it wasn't, yeah, it was, she was able to use the gifts that God has given her exactly where she was. And of course I was willing to, and excited to meet her in that. Mm -hmm. It it just sounds, it sounds like we overcomplicate, which we've already said, but I, I, I do think this is a freeing um, mm-hmm. method. It's just to to work with what you have. Go ahead. What were you going to say? Exactly. Exactly. I just think of another uh, another young woman who made a big impact on me. So we talked a little bit about uh, single women in the church, and there's this sociological phenomenon of women are delaying marriage. Um, and then what ends up happening probably in the upper 20s is they say, okay, now that I've got my career established, now I want to turn my attention to marriage. And uh, they find that it's not as easy as it was in their 20s. And along with that, you have we have a generation in the church who they may want to be married, but they need help even knowing, okay, how do I navigate godly relationships? How do I navigate uh, dating relationships, work-life balance, all of these things? These are opportunities for women to invest in other women. And one of uh, one of my favorite people, her name's Jenny. And I remember I got to come over to her at Jenny's house one day and she had, um, oh goodness, I think her first son was maybe like 
He was just starting to crawl. And I just, I vividly remember how she would say, um, you know, I try to tell him instead of him hearing me say no all the time, I want to say, why don't you do this? So I, I don't want my son to just hear no, no, no. And it's all very negative. And I, and here I am in my twenties. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm like a young PhD student at this time. I, I'm a long way off from having kids. And yet she didn't realize how much she was teaching me that if God ever does give me kids, there are things that I have been learning from women, watching them walk through those seasons, watching them walk through the things that are new to them and I'm getting to observe. So for the mom who feels like she doesn't have much to give, you have no idea the impact that you can make, not only on your children, but on the women coming after you. Well, this is just encouraging. And it's interesting because I think one demographic who will be most blessed will be moms listening to this. Yes. Just because we can so often think of training equipment means going off to seminary or going. And what what you're talking about right now is discipling where you are. And and yeah, and anyone can do this. Anyone can be. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and so, so I just want to thank you. Thank you for that encouragement and that reminder of the broad and beautiful aspects of ministry, that ministry is so broad and doesn't need to be narrow. Not and um, yeah. And there was one word that you, one sentence that you said, and I just want to repeat it so that we can end on this. And then I'm I will ask you to give us some gospel hope, but ministry is not a position. So ladies listening, if you're thinking, how can I do the work of ministry? Well, when it's not a position, that means you can. And it is what God has called us to do, just all of us working in our various gifts. So Katie, will you just end on giving anyone listening here who might be discouraged some gospel hope? Absolutely. You know, this is where the sovereignty of God in our lives really comes into play. And uh, trusting that we have a father who has shaped our lives, given us the gifts and opportunities that he wanted us to, to glorify him. And one of my favorite quotes is, uh, I heard it first from Pastor Alistair Begg, and he said, there's no ideal place to serve God. The best place to serve God is the place where he sets you down. And so women in different circumstances will feel discouraged about opportunities that they wish they had. And what they may not realize is, Women who have those opportunities feel discouraged about uh, different circumstances <laughs> that the Lord wish, wish they wish the Lord would give them. And so when you think about this, uh, I'll leave you with this. In the parables of Christ, when Christ talks about servants charged with investing something that their master gave them, they were in charge of investing according to the measure that they were given. And one of the ways that we miss the chance for real impact that's right in front of us is by comparing our opportunities to somebody else's, especially our sister in Christ. So just know wherever you are, whatever life stage, whatever you feel like you have or you lack, when you stand before God to give an account for your life, he is not gonna ask you what you did with somebody else's opportunities. And he's not gonna ask you what you did with somebody else's talents. He's gonna ask you, what you did with the gifts that he gave you right now. This is where it is faith and it's faith to the end by God's grace to the end. So if you're feeling discouraged, ask the Lord to show you 
what is the one thing I can start doing right now? And then just start moving. He'll direct you. Just start going in a direction and watch how he uses you to make a deep impact for the kingdom that is lasting, valuable, and significant. Amen. There is nothing to add to that. That is so encouraging. So thank you so much, Katie. You have been listening to the ERLC podcast. I'm Trillia Newbell. 